What is the difference between major and minor profits? If you were actually to search in a concordance, you would not find either one of those two words. It's not like somebody has the scripture that says, well, like the word of God has been delivered to me, so-and-so, the minor prophet. Or the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, the son of so-so, the major prophet. They're not, there's no distinction like that. They are just prophets and they are both important to the Lord. It's, it's not about importance. It's, it's not about uh, who's smarter or anything like that. It's, it's really about quantity and about how many uh, books are written. It's the, the major prophets have longer books and the minor prophets have shorter books. And this classification is, is completely based on volume, not on value. Tonight, we ask you to stay with us. We're going to kick off a new series, The Minor Prophets. Welcome to Bible Study. On behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins, it is so great to have you guys here joining us here at the Master's House. We're super excited about this new Bible Study series we're kicking off. We have our youth director, Corey, and his wife, Lena, here tonight. And we're excited about what we're going to be talking about, the things of the Lord. But before we get started, we like to go before the Lord in prayer, asking God's blessing over that which we're going to be presenting. If you have a special prayer request, please send those prayer requests to prayer at mastershouse.org. And we'll certainly lift up your prayer request before the Lord. So at this time, we're going to ask Lena, if she would, to ask God's blessing over these requests. And that God would bless our study tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing us together this night, God. We ask that you please keep your hand upon us this night as we continue to study your word and, and dive deeper into the minor prophets, Lord. We ask that you keep your hand on, on all of us here and everyone tuning in tonight, Jesus, and we just ask that you open our minds to learn more about your word. We ask all of this in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be doing this actually a little bit different. There's 12 minor prophets. And we're going to be splitting this up into three separate months rather than three consecutive months. So we'll be studying, you know, four at a time. And so we're going to kind of break that up a little bit different. And, and our goal in this series is so that we could each have a, a better understanding of who the minor prophet is, where they fit in the timeline, maybe what a gist of their prophecies are. You know, so when, when somebody mentions a minor prophet, you, you know, an individual by name. Tonight we're going to be speaking about Hosea. If somebody says Hosea, well, you kind of know, oh, well, he's kind of during, you know, this period, this in the time time period, and he, he's really prophesying to the northern kingdom, and I don't want to give it all away right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is kind of a gist of what he, that the Lord used him to talk about. So tonight we're going to begin with Hosea. So who is Hosea? Great question. I think I can answer that, or at least try to. Um, in the uh, book of Hosea 1 in the King James Version, we read, The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Johash, king of Israel. So if I hope that answers your question. I was happy to participate tonight. <laughs> no, that's actually uh, what we know about Hosea, right? We don't really know much about him. Um, some believe that he's from the tribe of Reuben um, or maybe Issachar, and his name means Jehovah is help or perhaps salvation. 
Yeah, now as far as those kings that started to be listed, um, but Thomas mentioned a moment ago, we've got a super cool timeline that we're going to throw up and take a look at there. Oh, isn't that nice? Wow. That's lovely. Uh, and we can see there, um, just like we read in the first verse, so we know that he prophesied during the divided kingdom, which was roughly 752 to 721 B.C. So that would make his prophet contemporaries, uh, or that those who were prophesying at the same time, Isaiah, Amos, and Micah. And we also look on that timeline, Hosea is primarily, primarily prophesying to the northern kingdom. The kings at that time were Jeroboam II, which you know at the end of his reign pretty much brought an end to the prosperity of the northern kingdom, followed by five other kings, each ruling for very short periods of time to ultimately the reign of Hosea, which was the last king of Israel uh, of the northern kingdom. And they were taken into exile by the Assyrian Empire in 722 BC. All of the kings of the northern kingdom, pretty much all the last five there that you see, it pretty much is tagged that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then the kings of the southern kingdom, uh, which was known as Judah, was ruled by Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Uh, Ahaz was the one who did not do right in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and Hezekiah is, is almost certainly the, the most widely known and discussed of these kings. And I think it's a good idea when you're going to be studying, you know, one of the minor prophets to have a timeline out so that you can jump back and forth and kind of see where they fit in the narrative, in the biblical narrative, and where they fit. And it's also a good idea if you're looking at, you know, for example, you know, Hosea tonight, if you open up First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and then you kind of get the full backstory if you kind of go back and forth and you're studying, just a little Bible study tip tonight to get context of, the prophet and where it fits in the, in the story of the timeline of the divided kingdom. But tonight, again, our focus is on Hosea. And when you really look at Hosea and what God asked this prophet to do, mm -hmm. I mean, like, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the most, the, the, the wowest thing, I guess you could say, um, was at the beginning of his prophecies, God asks Hosea to get a wife, right? Pretty simple, uh, but it actually wasn't just an ordinary wife. Um, in Hosea 1, 2, we read, The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So Hosea was to get a wife who was of whoredom. This word, of course, is used three times in this verse, <laughs> very descriptive. I think we could probably describe it as maybe visceral to a certain degree. Um, it's a really strong word, strong language that provokes a certain type of imagery. Whoredom, however, in this context, does not necessarily mean that she was a prostitute per se, but rather sexual and committing uh, adultery or idolatry. And this is, when you really think about this, it's, it's kind of stunning. Um, because I, I think a lot of us over time, especially, you know, in moments of desperation and things like that are like, you know, or, or moments of great faith really are, Lord, I will do anything you ask of me, but could I do this? Um, cause Hosea did it. He mm -hmm. went out and he did it. Um, and you mentioned earlier that, you know, 
the term minor does not indicate you know sort of the the status or the like the faithfulness <laughs> yeah absolutely not because th th this is very much there's nothing minor about hosea as a prophet mm -hmm. yeah and and what's also interesting that we're going to find out is he didn't just marry this woman out of obedience because god you know asked him to or commanded him to he actually gave himself to her fulfilled the duty of a husband to her and we come to find out the great love and care that he has for her. You know, her name is Gomer, which means completion, and some suggest symbolically that her name is basically the completion of Israel's wickedness and idolatry. Mm. And sort of piggybacking on that, uh, in the Bible, especially more than necessarily today, uh, names had that kind of meaning. And we can see that furthermore from the names of Hosea and Gomer's, uh, and also from their children. Mm -hmm. So uh, their first son was Jezreel, their daughter was Lo-Rahama, and the second son was Lo-Ami. I bet you I'm pronouncing those wrong. <laughs> um, so, but we'll just go ahead and read it. Um, so Hosea 1, 3 through 9 says, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again, and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Lo-Rahama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Now when she had weaned Lo-Rahama, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, Call his name Lo-Ami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. So just by, you know, what we understand here, Hosea is a living example of his own prophetic message from God to Israel. Absolutely. Hosea's marriage and his family is just this m massive metaphor for the relationship of God and Israel. And, and we see that in Hosea, the second chapter, verse 19, it says, And I will betroth thee unto me forever, yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. I mean, the Lord is basically calling them out and calling them to be faithful to him as his bride. Right. So the children of Israel have sinned against God as an adulterous woman would sin against her husband. Um, the, the word whoredom figuratively means idolatry. So Israel is regarded as the spouse of Jehovah and has been committing spiritual adultery as well. And they are committing adultery against the Lord. And it's important to note that this isn't a new thing. Um, Israel has been sinning for a long time, um, all the way back to when the kingdom first was split between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Jeroboam created two golden calves to keep the people in his kingdom from traveling to worship in the temple that subsided or that resided in Rehoboam's kingdom. <sighs> Those names. <laughs> I think I, I think I said that straight. Um, in Judah. In Judah. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Uh, and that was over a hundred years prior to this. That was when this idolatry, uh, this spiritual adultery began in Israel. So this is not, um, you know, a snap thing that the Lord is like, oh, you did it once. It didn't happen through the span of three babies. Correct. No, yeah, no. And so, and that's why too, I think when we look at those names, these are 
these are serious. These are severe things that the Lord is saying. So um, the first name uh, we have is uh, to, to represent, oh, what's the first? Uh, Jezreel. There we go. So uh, the first name is, it's part of the Hosea's prophecies and it's God's judgment. So Jezreel means that God will scatter Israel in coming judgment. Lo Rahamah means Israel will not be shown compassion. And this points to a time in the near future when they would not be, or when they would be, excuse me, delivered to their enemies. And then Lo Ami, not my people, because Israel turned from God and did not desire him, they were eventually driven into exile. Right. And the name Jezreel is also a reflection of God's grace. As we read in Hosea 1, 10 through 11, Yet the number of children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. It shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people. There it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So the day of Jezreel is God bringing all of the children back together in a sense. That, that is just so wonderful about the God we serve. In these prophecies, you see a prophecy of judgment, but then it's followed by prophecies of forgiveness and restoration, that he is making a pathway for them to come back and be with them. If only the Israelites would have listened sooner, you know, and maybe they would not have uh, this pending judgment where they are cast out in exile. The words of the prophecies uh, from the contemporaries or even from Isaiah, if they would have just paid attention to them and maybe turned from their wickedness, they could have found that mercy and found it sooner. And I believe, you know, it's true for us today. If we find ourselves where we're separated from God and maybe we've turned our back from him, well, his mercy, it says in Lamentations, is new every morning. We can find that mercy when we recognize it in ourselves and humble ourselves and reach out to him. And this isn't the, the end of the story of Hosea. Okay, he had three kids and then he prophesies. His life story continues and it, it, something happens, something takes place. We don't, we, it doesn't really say, but Gomer goes back to uh, the, the ways of sin, committing adultery, and goes back to sinning, and gets so much involved in wickedness that she actually becomes a slave uh, to it. And the Lord reaches out, God reaches out to Hosea, and you know, commands him, encourages him to go and, and bring her back. And so this is found in Hosea, the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and an omer, and half omer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide with me many days, and thou shalt not play the hearted. And thou shalt be not thou shalt not be for any another man. I'm just having trouble. I'm sorry, I kicked this off. You know? I started us off. I had a hard time in that Let section. Let me start with that scripture again. 
And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days, thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be for thee. So the woman that the Lord is talking about is Gomer, and the beloved, his beloved is her, he is the friend, that is Hosea. And this is, you know, speaks to when I, what I mentioned earlier, that we find out just how much he loves her, that he is willing to go and pay the price for her to buy her freedom out of slavery. And then it says so that they could be together so that they could be for one another. I mean, that just speaks to how I didn't just take her as my wife in obedience, but he actually had feelings for her. He actually loved for her and, and cared for her. And what powerful uh, statement that the Lord is making here uh, when he's saying, hey, he's encouraging you go and get her. And then he's even saying, this is likened unto my relationship with the children of Israel who look to other gods, who Gomer went out of their relationship back into harlotry and also love flagons of wine. So again, we see this, this parallel, this metaphor of this relationship and uh, that Hosea really did care for her and said, look, I want you to come back and I'm going to be for you and you be for me. And uh, before this, we were talking uh, with Thomas and I, and this was something I didn't, I hadn't get in, gotten in previous read throughs um, was that he went back for her. Yeah. And, um, and again, nothing minor about this prophet. <laughs> um, he goes to where she is, right? He has to go to the place that has her as a slave. So he, he has to enter into a not nice place to go be where she is and then pay the price for her someone who would go down to their level and pay a price for someone else. Does that sound familiar? Does that remind you of anything? Um, <laughs> it's 100% foreshadowing the redemptive work of, of, of Jesus uh, coming to down to earth to where we are being a part of this, this, this flesh and, and this world and then paying the ultimate price for our sins so that again, so that he, he can bring us up in love so that we can be with him. Mm. And that, um, and he does it because he truly cares for us, not out of, you know, being commanded. Right? It's 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 a choice that he makes. Absolutely, it it totally symbolizes God taking a bride out of a sinful world, and then to be sanctified by a union with Him, mm. with Jesus. Right. So in First Corinthians seven fourteen, we read. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Gomer was sanctified through Hosea. The church is therefore sanctified through Christ. It's, it's so interesting when you step back and really take a look at, at this Hosea's life and kind of see it through, I mean, the sufferings that he had the the his home life destroyed you know with his wife leaving the and to take a step back even from that and reflect on what sorrow god must have felt and what sorrow and pain the lord must have felt uh with the children of israel being so unfaithful to him you know hosea is a is a man who through god's leading and his encouragement is able to go back and get Gomer, pay the price for her, and, you know, bring him back to himself, how much greater is the love of the Lord willing to forgive and bring 
back his own children to himself. I mean, just consider that for a moment. If, if you or, or I are unfaithful to God, and what a disappointment it must be. What a frustration, a, a betrayal that God must feel, but yet still be willing to go suffer the shame and to pay, pay a price and to reach out to those who have gone astray to bring him back to himself. I mean, Hosea, like, like you said, he is a living example of God's forgiveness and love. I mean, Hosea has this new care and new love for Gomer that he goes out and brings him back to himself, just like Jesus has forgiveness and love for us. And if we, just like the Israelites, um, are dead in that sin and will but ask for forgiveness, um, Hosea 13, 14 pretty well spells it out for us. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. God will forgive us. And this immediately, too, reminded me of the prodigal son as well, because, you know, the father uh, who had said, you know, my son, which is dead, is now alive. So we can have that restored relationship with the Lord. And as you had said earlier, um, that, that prophecy of judgment that, that really exists, his very children's name is then immediately followed by a path to mercy. And that reason for judgment has then become God's reason for mercy. Um, God's love desires to win Israel back. God's love desires to have us with him. God's love finds a reason for grace when, where there isn't a reason previously, right? So in Hosea 13, 9, we read, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. So God truly makes a way when there seems to be no way. <laughs> yeah, and I really love that because it, it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't have to, right? You ever watch a movie and you're like, oh, they forgave too easy? Mm. It doesn't have to work that way. There doesn't have to be a reason. Now, sin has to have consequences. God's prophetic word will be fulfilled, but God is still merciful in judgment. The northern kingdom was ultimately cast into exile, like we kind of mentioned before, because they would not turn back to the Lord unlike Gomer, who did go back to Hosea. And if the Lord would command Hosea to take back Homer, how much more would the Lord have, have taken us back into himself? Um, in Hosea 13, 4, it says, Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. He's still telling them, even in their unfaithfulness, I'm your God. I'm your savior. God is still faithful to them, even though they weren't to him. And we know he, of course, does ultimately restore them in the end. Today, God is still our God. He's still our savior. And he's still faithful to us, despite anything that, uh, you know, despite idolatry or spiritual wantonness. <laughs> Amen. God is faithful, mm -hmm. and he is our Savior. He is our God. And, you know, you might be thinking to yourself tonight, well, I'm not bowing down to some golden calf. I'm not traveling someplace and, you know, physically worshiping some image or some being or anything like that. Um, I'm not like, 
Glad I'm not like those Israelites, right? <laughs> but idolatry is more than just physically bowing down to an object or to something. It's, it's basically putting anything in priority uh, before the Lord. It, it might be your job, it might be your family, your friends, whatever relationship. It could be materialism, it could be pride. It, it could be anything that you set before the Lord. And whatever you hold as more important than God, uh, that's what you're showing is, is, is as adultery. You know, it's, it's shown by your actions, it's shown by your neglect, it's uh, shown by your choosing, uh, choosing rather to fulfill your own heart wants and desires rather than having any consideration of the things of the Lord. And when we take and put all of those things as precedents, well, basically that's idolatry and that, you know, is spiritual adultery. And God is a loving, merciful God, just like he was back in the book of Hosea, just like he is in, in the time that this was written, but he is that same loving and merciful God tonight. And if we can be truthful within ourselves and recognize maybe that, uh, okay, yeah, I'm not bowing down, but I am lifting myself up before, before you and truly recognize that and just repent. You, you talked about, is it easy? It is that easy just to say, Lord, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? It says in John that he is faithful to forgive when we ask him to forgive us of our sins. And I could be restored. I can be renewed tonight. I can be back together in that relationship with Jesus tonight. There are so many things in the prophecies of Hosea that we could spend time on and focus on. We could really zero down on specific things from the book of Hosea. I would, I would encourage you at home to read the book Hosea yourself. We gave you some, you know, some clues on how to help you understand it. Because I know sometimes the prophetic language could be difficult to understand. You know, it's good to have a, a timeline. It's good to have some of the other biblical books, you know, that kind of give you the background of what's being said. Uh, but read that on your own time. But I just want to close tonight uh, this study. But I want to close it with Hosea's final words. And these, the scripture is found in Hosea, the 14th chapter and the ninth verse. And it says, Who is wise, and he shall understand these things? Prudent, and he shall know them, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. That pretty much says it. On behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins, we thank you so much for tuning in to this Bible study tonight. We hope something that has been shared kind of gave you a new idea, a new perspective on Hosea, and it encourages you to go and do some further study into some of those things. We're going to continue our study into the Minor Prophets. Now, again, not because they're lesser or any more or less important, but just not as much uh, volume. And uh, we're going to continue studying these minor prophets. Looking forward to the next studies. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Perhaps tonight you're separated from God. Perhaps you have set some things before him. And, and tonight's a good a night as any to reach out unto the Lord and, and recognize that and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to re restore my relationship back to you. I want to be for you and for you to be for me. And it's just that simple. 
to pray those simple phrases. If you have a special prayer request, send that prayer request to prayer at mastershouse.org. We'll certainly lift up those requests before the Lord tonight and just ask God to minister into your life. I'm going to ask Corey, if he would, to take us before the Lord on behalf of all of these things. God bless you so much. Corey, would you take us before the Lord? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Master, for this opportunity, Lord, that you provided this night, Lord, for us to come together, Lord, to delve into your word, Lord, and to, Lord, to learn about your mercy, O oh Lord, and your love, O oh Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for that mercy. We thank you for that love, dear Jesus. I pray, Lord, this night that you would reach out your hand, Lord, to those that that may be struggling, Lord, that may have created a separation, Lord, and that you would touch their heart, that you would remind them, Lord, of your love, Lord, and your willingness, dear Jesus, to, to reach out and to close that gap, Lord, to, to push back, Lord, whatever may be separating you. And we just thank you and we praise you this night, O oh Lord. Pray, Lord, that your hand would rest upon all of your children, Lord, and a special blessing, O oh Lord, for our shepherd and his family. Pray, Lord, that you would be with all of us, Lord, and bring us back. Lord, to your house, Lord, in the next appointed service, in your most precious name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Good night.